This week's reading from the Gospel, Mark, chapter 4, verses 30 through 32. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Let us listen for the God's word for us today. Jesus also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. This ends our first reading. Friends, our Old Testament lesson comes to us this day from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 15, verses 34, through chapter 16, verses thir- verse 13. Let us listen for God's word speaking to us this day. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul. And the Lord was sorry to have chosen Saul to be king over Israel. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you, and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? Samuel said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed one is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all of your sons here? And Jesse said, 
There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So I don't know about all of you. But I used to be a huge fan of those TV singing competitions, like huge. I might have voted for one or two or more of the American Idol contestants. But I have to say that my interest waned after Britain's Got Talent dropped the microphone and won the Internet in the person of Susan Boyle. That is a long time ago, but I was a diehard true fan from the beginning. As you can still see if you Google her video and find it on YouTube, when Miss Boyle walked onto the stage of Britain's Got Talent, it was pretty clear what everyone thought of her, including the judges. It read all over their faces. Everyone just knew that this woman was going to be a loser. I don't like saying it, but it was obvious. Everyone knew that this was going to be a sad spectacle of epic proportions. And she did not help herself when she started talking. She was unkempt. Her hair went everywhere. Her eyebrows were just out there for everyone to see. Her conversations with the judges didn't move the perception She was easily tongue-tied. She was quirky. She was just trying too hard to be cheeky and memorable. That is, until the moment she opened her mouth to sing. When the music started and she lifted her voice, every last person, including all three judges, melted over Susan Boyle's voice. Do you all remember? Did you all watch it? It was incredible. The video of that performance went viral within hours of her singing, propelling Susan Boyle to international fame. I know you all are probably thinking, why is Eric talking about a super old video? But when I read, every time I read today's passage, I think of Susan Boyle. Because no one thought that this person, the one that no one thought would amount to anything, would end up capturing the attention and affection of the world. In today's passage from 1 Samuel, we encounter the prophet Samuel as he is struggling with the outcome of the people's cries for a king. That's right. All through the book of Samuel, really all before the books leading up to it, the people were tired of being different, of being ruled by judges. They wanted a king like everybody else. And so God relented 
and made Saul king of Israel. You see, Saul turned out to be a populist, tough guy king that the people demanded. And he did exactly what God warned he would do. God told the people, you don't really want a king. Trust me. And Saul lived into every worst stereotype. He became enraptured by his own power. He drafted soldiers. He drifted away from the designs God had made for the chosen people by giving burnt offerings to foreign gods, by allowing his soldiers to claim spoils from war. And he did all of this in the name of honoring God. Well, God had enough. God was not going to tolerate it anymore. So God said to Samuel, we're going in a different direction. It's time for someone new. In response to the repeated failures of Saul, the chosen king, the prophet Samuel grieves. He grieves. But God does not allow him to wallow in that misplaced grief. God moves Samuel forward into a new beginning for God's people. This new beginning leads him to the home of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. There he finds what looks like an easy choice for a new king. Seven picture-perfect sons, ready and waiting for the sacrifice that Samuel is preparing. Seven genetically blessed sons who are beautiful to behold. But God says, "Mm, not so much. You see, it would have been customary to present your sons to a visitor such as Samuel, to a prophet honored by God. It wasn't some creepy ritual thing. It was a way of honoring and introducing your sons to important leaders. But I do imagine that Jesse was wondering why Samuel was taking such an intent interest. Oh, not this one. Do you have another one? Oh, not this one. Do you have another one? On and on, going through all of the sons who are present. Surely this is the one, Samuel thinks to himself. Surely this is the one, as Jesse's impressive Sons are paraded in front of him. Again and again, God says, eh, not really. I don't see it. Finally, Samuel asks his host, is that it? No more sons anywhere? Jesse shrugs his shoulders and says, well, there's the youngest. But we don't bother to bring him here. I mean, he's out tending the sheep. This tells us a lot. So, so much about the son whose name is never mentioned up to this point. The youngest. Therefore, and as the youngest in the family, I'm offended. But the youngest, therefore the lowest in the family pecking order not even worthy to be brought to meet the prophet. The fact is, David was the youngest child in the ancient Near East, 
That fact automatically rendered him a second-class member of the family. Even if David was the most handsome of all the boys, and even though the text says that God doesn't look on outward appearance, Samuel needs to comment that he is ruddy and has beautiful eyes, but we'll leave that alone. But God is looking not at his appearance, but at his heart. David would not have expected any privileges. His family didn't even invite him to the feast to be sanctified and to make the sacrifice with everybody else. He's the forgotten brother whose sole purpose is to take care of all the details so that the other brothers can do what they need to do. There's nothing about David's status in the world that makes us think that he would be a king, much less a great king. He is a shepherd boy, ignored by his own family, yet it is upon David, upon David, that God builds the kingdom. Like the mustard seed thrown out into the field, David is not expected to do much in the world. But it is from that smallest, most overlooked part of our world that God brings forth God's purposes. In Saul, the tyrant king, God rejected the pretty and the powerful whose hearts know nothing of God's intentions for the world. I find this to be especially good news for those of us who are not credentialed in the powerful ways of the world. Those that have no business changing the world are the ones that God chooses to do just that. Those who appear to have no power in the world are the ones who are spreading their wings and providing shade and shelter for those who are looking for respite and safety. And in my mind, there is a lot of that going on in our world right now. Lots of uncredentialed people who are taking steps to challenge the Sauls of today's world. I see that in the young people who flooded the Tennessee State House after gun violence rocked Nashville. These young people rose up and demanded action. Not for themselves, but for children, youth, adults, families everywhere in that state who have been rendered voiceless in the fight to turn weapons into plowshares. I think about the everyday women and men, boys and girls across this country who are standing with the LGBTQ community to demand protections and call out violence and threats of violence. Honestly, I think of the women at the Norma Her shelter who are standing with one another as women seek to find safe places to call home as they welcome each other in to a safe place to be shepherded and nurtured as they regain their center, regain their strength for the next steps that are ahead. 
God's actions to claim and anoint David affirm that God's providence operate beyond the spectrum in which our sight operates. But even so, we are seen by God. The God of Israel is forever proving that good things come in unlikely packages and from unlikely origins. By anointing David, God signals once again that the least of these, the forgotten, the overlooked, are critical to moving God's love story forward. This is the God, after all, who preferred Abel over his older brother Cain, who made an everlasting covenant with a couple of childless senior citizens. This is the God who chose Jacob over Esau, Joseph over all of his other brothers. So I say to you, those of you who have been members of this church forever, as well as those who are new to the community or who are just visiting, you are anointed. You are anointed. Each and every one of you, you are anointed to be in Christ's service. You might feel like the Susan Boyles of the world with your bushy eyebrows out there for everyone to see. You might feel like David, forgotten out there tending to the sheep. Unworthy to even be called in to dinner to talk to God's messengers. You might feel uncredentialed to do anything for God. You might look on yourself and see all the faults and failures and hesitancies that come from measuring yourself by worldly standards. But remember, God does not see as we see. God looks deeper. God looks into your hearts and sees through our faults and failures to the goodness that was planted in us by God's love. You are anointed. You are anointed. You are anointed to spread your branches, to provide shade and comfort to all of God's children. You are anointed. Marianne Williamson puts forward one of my favorite quotes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is not our light, it is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, Who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. And you want to know why? Because you are anointed. I would add 
that you are anointed for God's purposes. You are seen by God, and God has said, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. I need David, and I need you to play your part, to share your love, to model your faithfulness, to lean in and contribute what you can to move God's story of love and compassion and justice forward in the world. So, my friends, go out into this world today to live and love Trusting that God is working through you. God is working through the moments of your life to open up God's brain for all people. You might not feel like it. You might not always understand it. You might just be reacting to what you see in the world, but God in those moments is shaping God's hope and God's love for this world through what you are offering to those around you. Because God has anointed you. God has called you and is building God's reign in this world through your life, breath, through your gifts, through your talents, through your failures, through your successes. For God doesn't see as we see. God sees deep within us and reminds us that we are beautifully and wonderfully made. Amen.